Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heat Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach, so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. There's a phone call that everybody in here should have already answered. And it's a phone call symbolically, meaning a call from God. Yes, yes. Because, see, when you call yourself a Christian, that means whether you recognize it or not, or whether you realize it or not, or whether somebody told you or not, that you have received the call. You've received the call, the phone has rung, and it's saying now it's time to report. Yes. It's time to get ready to do what you're going to do. And just like the football player, this call will change your life. And just like the phone, just like that phone call he's waiting to receive, this call will not only change your life, but guess what? It'll change your mama life, your daddy life, your baby mama life. It'll change people's lives. Because when we get changed, how many know a lot of times um, people around us get changed? Not everybody, but sometimes. When we get changed, when they see that we go from, from busted, broken, disgusted, to now we walking in victory like the song said, I know my identity. Once we reclaim our identity, then people start saying, where did you get your identity back from? I know you was lost. If I don't know nobody else was lost, I know you was. So how did you get that? How did you answer the call? How did you how did you even hear the call? And when you heard it, how did you know you was ready to answer? How did you know you had done everything? And all you can say is that everything I've been through, just like the football player, from Pop Warner to junior high to high school to college, everything I've been through in life has made me ready for this call. And that's what you can say to yourself, that everything that you've been through in this life has made you ready for this call, ready for this call. But then when you get the call, God says, you've been called, but I need to make sure that you can go and do what I've called you to do. I need to make sure that that you can perform the way I need you to perform. Because, see, it's, it's one thing to perform and, and, to, and to do everything for man, but it's a whole different level when you try to do things for God. Amen? Amen. And we're going to talk about today a person who who met this criteria, who, who got drafted, who came up out of the, out of the little leagues and, and he made his way through all the, the trial and tribulation and, and he made his way to the top, so to speak. Turn to your Bibles in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. That book right there should let some people know who I'm getting ready to talk about. Anybody care to guess? 1 Samuel chapter 16. He was called up out of the ranks, out of the, not even out of the ranks. He wasn't even part of the ranks. He, he was called up out of nowhere, but he answered the call. First Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? 
Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you. And that's a cow. That's, that, that's a cow, y'all. I know where some of y'all went. But that's what the words say. Not take that heifer with you. <laughs> take a heifer with you. And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. He said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your children? And he said, there remains yet this youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. Then in verse 12 it says, So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing on the reading of his word. And we have a story here of David getting the call. David phone rung in this scripture. He was called up in the draft. Amen. And his life was about to change. His life was about to change. And to give you a little background, at this point, Saul was the king of Israel. And he had disobeyed God. They had, they had attacked the uh, Amalekites and they had, they had um, destroyed everything. But because of some stuff they, they wanted to keep, they was like, no, nah, this looks good, so we want to keep this stuff. God said to destroy everything, but they decided to keep something just because of the way it looked. And so, therefore, the anointing had left Saul, and God was saying he can no longer be the king anymore. Now, how many, how many know that sometimes that can happen to us? We can lose the blessing of God because we're trying to hold on to something because it looked good, because it feel good. We'll stay in this relationship because it feel good. But God has been telling you for years destroy that thing. Let that thing go. But we keep staying because it look good. Or not even that even sometimes looks good to us. Here's the crazy part. We'll do it because it look good to everybody else on the outside. Inside of that relationship, you're going through hell and high water. But when y'all show up on the scene, everybody think y'all got it going on. So you stay together. 
It's almost like the little political type couples you see on TV when the man get on on the front of the podium and he say, I, I, "I'm sorry that I, you know I've had an affair outside of my marriage and everything is we're gonna work things out." And you see his wife just standing over there like this, and she just smiling. But you know inside her mind she's saying, "I wish I could cut him right now. I wish I could just run up to him and stab him in his back right now." But she's standing there like this because to everybody else it's gotta look good. And that's what Saul did. He listened to what everybody else had said. So God said, no, you you can't be king anymore. I need somebody who's going to listen to what I got to say. They ain't going to be worried about popular opinion. They're not going to be worried about what their friends say, and even if it don't look right to their friends. They're not going to be worried about that. I need somebody like that. As a matter of fact, God is even saying to Samuel, he, he, he had said, I didn't even really want y'all to have a king. The people asked for a king. God always wanted to be the king. God always wanted to be the, the one who directed and instructed. But the people said, we want a king like everybody else. Be careful of wanting stuff like everybody else. Because sometimes you might just get what everybody else getting. You just don't know what they getting until you got what they got. Then you'll find out what they've been getting. Amen. Be careful of that. So then we see right here that uh, God has sent Saul, uh, Samuel to Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And this was all prophetic. Don't God knows what he's doing. He's the author and the finisher. That he, you know, Jesus had to come out of Bethlehem, the house of bread, because he's the bread of life. Mm -hmm. And he had to come from a king's lineage, which was going to be what? David. So this was all foretold. But at the same time, God is saying, I didn't want all this to have to happen. But since it's like this, I'm going to make it work out. For everybody's favor. So he sends Samuel on to Bethlehem. He says, Samuel, go and pick one of Jesse's sons. I'm not going to tell you which one it is. I just need you to go. I mean, notice sometimes God going to send you on assignment. He's not going to tell you what you got to do. He's just saying, I just want to know if you're going to go. And more importantly, are you going to be obedient to what I say do? Don't worry about how you're going to do something. Just just know that I'm going to take care of it. If I sent you, I'm going to take care of it. Amen? Amen. So he sends, he sends them on, and Samuel gets there, and he, he, meets, he meets them at this, at this party, a sacrifice party. He sacrificed the, the cow, and they do everything, that, all the little according to customs. And so now we get Jesse. The scene comes in, and Jesse has his, his boys lined up. And we hear about the, we hear about the first three. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. And he lines up those three. But none of those are God's choice. Saul is no longer God's choice. See, the reason why Saul was not God's choice anymore because Saul was man's choice. See, we got to be determined to be God's choice and, and not man's choice. Most most of us are, are much more concerned with impressing people than we are pleasing God. I say that again. We're more concerned about impressing people than we are pleasing God. That's why some people can come to church and they'll sit through a worship service because they don't want to see no, they don't want everybody to see them, you know, acting a fool, so to speak, for God. They don't want everybody to see them jumping around and praising God because they got to keep up airs. They got to keep up appearance. Everything got to be dignified. But now the same person, when you saw them two years ago in the club, they turning it out. 
or as the young folks say, they turn up. Yeah. Amen. I guess they still say that, you know, but anyway. But see, a lot of us get more concerned with that. We, but we got to be determined to be God's choice. We, we, we can't worry about if man chooses us or not. Because man is suspect. Man will choose you today and they'll crucify you tomorrow. Man will lift you up up here today and then they'll throw you down tomorrow. They're going to be wishy-washy. Man going to love you one day and they're going to say, I don't know about you today. See, I love you when your paycheck come in. It's the first of the month. Yeah, what's up, my boy? But there's the 15th of the month, I don't need to be around you. Matter of fact, I'm dodging you because I owe you money. That's what man will do. But God says, don't confuse me with man because I'm not man that I should lie. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He says, be determined to be my choice because when I choose you, you ain't never got to worry about being turned away. See, when God chooses you, the only thing that can make him Unchoose you, so to speak, and he doesn't even unchoose you then because the word of God says that he is faithful even when you are not faithful. What makes you, what makes you seem like you are unchosen by God is because we decide to walk away. We decide to forsake. We decide to pick up our stuff and go, pick up our ball and go home. But see, we, Got to be determined to be God's choice. See, when we focused on man being the choice and choosing everything, just like the draft, they go through all these processes and all these things, and they so focused on, on man's choice, and then what happens is they get let down. Yes. Because the person who's supposed to be first draft pick, he slips to three. The person who's supposed to be the 20th draft pick, he slips to the third round. They don't even get phone calls on the third round. They don't, they, they, you know, you, you calling them, can I play? <laughs> but see, that can hurt people because see, when you, when you trying to impress people, that sets up competition, that sets up jealousy, that sets up discord, that sets up strife, that sets up envy, that sets up all the stuff that comes in to eat you from the inside out. Which leads to low self-esteem, which leads to the brokenness, which leads to heartbreak, which leads to depression, which leads to potentially to suicide. All because you're trying to impress people. Quit trying to impress people who don't even like you in the first place. A lot of us will spend our life, energy, time, and money trying to impress people who wouldn't be around us if we didn't have the stuff to try to impress them with. They would be gone. They will be gone. It sets you up for disappointment. See, when we're trying to determine, when we're determined to be God's choice, then we'll set our hearts to be pleasing to God. And notice I keep saying pleasing to God, not impressing God. So you can't impress God. You can't impress God. Nowhere in the scripture does it say to impress God. It says to please God. It says that that that. That, is, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Not impress him. Please means that he's satisfied. See, impress means that you got to do something outside of who you really are to try to impress somebody down. You're trying to put an imprint on them. God says, I don't need you to put an imprint on me. I'm trying to put my imprint on you. Yes, yes. So you don't need to impress me. All right, amen. And see, in John chapter 12, it says... In verse 42, John chapter 12, verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. 
For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That was John chapter 12, verse 42. It says, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. What is he saying right here? Jesus is telling people, he said, he because, because of your fear of the Pharisees, you won't even confess that you believe in the Christ. Because you want the glory from man more so than you want the glory from God. It was saying right here, they was afraid to be put out of the synagogue. In the modern day terms, you, you, won't, you won't worship, you won't do things right because of the people sitting around you in church. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. It says that they love the glory that comes from man more than they love the glory that comes from God. The devil is a lie. We are coming to the day that we will begin to know that the glory from God will be more than man can ever fathom in his mind. And we are determined as God's people to be his choice. Amen. But see, to do that, we got to put our effort into the things that God looks at. What does God look at? What does what does God look at? Uh-huh. See, I'm a man, and when I say man, most of the time, you know, we, we're, we're t- not talking gender specific because in, in Christ there is no gender. Uh-huh. But it, but for this particular little little story, I'm gonna quickly tell. I'm talking from a man's standpoint, so men can probably understand this. Because uh-huh. see, what a, as men we tend to, and, and women too. So I can say it too for for men and women, we tend to. Look at the outwardly appearance, yeah. just like Samuel did. Yeah. If it, if it looked good, it must be good. Like like I know when we was growing up, you know, all the women like the dudes with the nice cars and the rims or whatever. See, but but see, what 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 you gotta always understand, especially as for women, be more concerned about what drives a man versus what that man is driving. Yeah, come on, right? See what 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 he's driving can be taken away. All you gotta do is miss a payment or two. But see what what drives him, that's coming from the inside. Nobody can ever take that from him. No matter how much he gets beat down, he's gonna still have that drive. Uh-huh. But see, we can we can look at the things from the outside so much that, that that we get confused. I remember and she ain't in here so I can tell this story. <laughs> but I remember when when uh when, when I first saw Paula, she, she was my next door neighbor. I'm going to be real careful with her. But ain't no kids in here either. That's my wife. I know she's your mama, but that's my wife. <laughs> and as a man, I'm looking out my window and I see her walking across the street. And as a man, we only look at what? The hourly appearance. We don't know if she can pay her bills right. We don't know if, if, if she come home on time at night. We don't know none of that stuff. We don't know if she can cook, clean. We don't know if she take care of kids or beat her kids. We don't know none of that. All we do is see the outside and the hourly appearance, and we drawn in. And I know when I saw her, I, I, I saw her walk away and get in the car, and all I could say was, Lord, look at her ankles. I was just watching them ankles. <laughs> so I told you I keep it clean. <laughs> but see, as a man, we can't get so caught up on the outwardly appearance because see, I had, I had, I was looking at the ankles, but I, I knew that deep down inside, ankles had got me in trouble before. Yeah. Ankles had got me to the altar and married somebody else before. See, ankles will get you to the altar, but but then you'll end up altered. Uh-huh. It's a difference. 
One is altar and the other one is altered. See, so I, I couldn't let ankles draw me in. I said, I said, what what is it that God looks at? What is it that God is looking at? And see, that's what Samuel was doing here. He was even almost drawn in by the looks. Because when, when Jesse bought the sons out, he bought out the very best one first, Eliab. Here it is. His name even means, you know, it, it, it kind of translates to, to God his father. So this is this is a man. He got the name. It says that he's got the stature. He's tall. He's handsome. He's good looking. He's a he's a warrior. Because we learn about that in uh, 17 that he fights in the Israeli army for Saul. So he has everything that a king should have. Yeah. The looks, the power, the stature. He even got the name. Yeah. He got everything. But God says what? God says no. This is not the one. Why? He said because man looks on the outside. Man looks on the outside but what? God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. God looks at, at what's going on on the inside. So Jesse parades, and I call it the parade of possibilities. See, Jesse paraded all his possibles out in front of in front of Samuel. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He go through all of them. He go through all of them. Seven, the completion, number of completion. He's saying, no, this is done. This is done. But then Samuel says, "Where don't, don't you got some other kids? Where the where the other one? Do you got another one somewhere? Jesse says, "What? Yeah, is, is this one out there in the fields? It, my little young one. He, he ain't buying nothing. He just out there with the sheep like he always is. The call, because see, God judges the heart. Because we learn about David that David is what a man after God's what own heart. See, God is trying to find somebody who's committed to him with their heart. See, Eliab wasn't committed with his heart because we learned, if you read in 17, when David goes out to, to take them lunch and Goliath is out there, Eliab starts pretty much cussing David out. Like, well, why are you out here? What you doing out here? And he said, it says in the scripture that, that his heart grew anger, angry at David. So Eliab's heart is not right. God searches our heart. He searches our heart. Why does he search our heart? And I heard, I heard Minister uh, Linda was talking about something about the heart. I wasn't in here, but I heard you mentioning something about the fact that, that a lot of these people in the intensive care, I think you say, was dealing with their heart. Yes. And that's what God is saying today, is that I want to deal with your heart. I want to deal with your heart. What is your heart? He says in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 9, it says that the heart is deceitful. Hmm. Mm. That's a strong statement from the jump. He said the heart is deceitful. And then you don't finish with that. He says above all things. My God, we got a heart that is deceitful above all things. Meaning that there's nothing in this world that can deceive you more than your own heart. And why do you think the world say follow your heart? Follow your heart. If you really want it, follow your heart. You love him, follow your heart. You want that job, follow your heart. You want to move over there, follow your heart. But yet we follow something that is deceitful above all things. And then he don't even finish that. He says, and desperately sick. Then he says, who can understand it? That means it's, it's, it's this way today and it's that way tomorrow. That's how you can have people say, I, I love both of them. 
I, I, I don't know. I can't make up my mind because you wavering back and forth. I love both of them. And then it says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So that's what God is saying. I'm testing your heart to give you your just reward. So how many know that we might want to get our heart right? Because your heart going to determine what God gives you. See, some of us ain't getting blessed the way we truly want to because God said, ah, you got a heart issue. You need to get in ICU and let me operate on that heart. You need to let me fix that heart. Even in Matthew, Jesus, because some people say, well, that's the Old Testament. That's when it was the law and, and God was harsh then and he'll stone people and cut people down and slice people up. That was the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, in the, where it was under the grace, even Jesus said what in Matthew 15? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. And what Jesus was talking about then, they was going back and forth about what you eat and what you don't eat. If you eat this, that's defiled. Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. that ain't got nothing to do. This is what it is. It ain't, it, it ain't what go into your mouth. It's what come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And that is what defiles a person. That's what makes you unclean. That's what makes you dirty. That's what makes you unblessed. That's what makes you makes you messed up. Because the, uh, the another part of scripture says what? For out of the out of the heart flows the issues of life. And that word translated issue sometimes means power, meaning the power. So your heart is power in your life. Yeah. And when I say heart, really I'm even more so talking about your mind. It ain't this thing that's beating in your chest that's keeping you living. It's the, it's the, it's your heart. It's your feeling of a thing. It's your thinking of a thing. The stinking thinking is what defiles a man. If you really want to know a man's heart, if you really want to know who he is, then like I've said it before, you check his checkbook and his calendar. That will show you his heart. Because where he spent his time and where he spent his money, that's where his heart is being spent. And then we look at Hebrews verse, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What is all that saying? The word of God going to check your heart. That's why a lot of people don't like it. That's why a lot of people pick and choose. I like this part, but I don't want this. I like the prosperity part, but I don't want the obedience part. I like the healing part, but I don't like the part, uh, again, obedience and doing what I'm supposed to do. Everything kind of always goes back to I don't want that obedience part. You know, we like kids. That's why Paul said, if you was a child, do as a child. But now you're a grown person, grow up. I'm paraphrasing, but it's time to grow up. Because see, children want stuff without doing stuff. Children want stuff without obedience. They want their room to be messy. They want to throw stuff all over the place. They want to not do their homework, but they still want what they want. But how many know as Christians, we the same way. We want to keep our lives messy. We don't want to clean up over here. We don't want to do our homework, praying and studying, but we still want our Father to bless us. God says, quit being a child. Because the Word of God will discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It says the Spirit, what? Checks the Spirit. 
The spirit knows the spirit. If you want to know a person's heart, you just test them with the word of God. Put the word of God litmus test to them and you'll see how they'll melt or they'll stand up to the fire. The word of God reveals the heart. It'll reveal that deceitful heart. If you really want to know, you pray for discernment. God reveal the heart of this person. See, that's what you really want to know. You don't want to know that hourly appearance of that person. They, they can look good. Everybody can send a representative to you. Everybody can do that. It's, it's called acting. Everybody can do that. But see, your, your life won't have a drama unless you got actors to play the part. Quit playing the part. And more importantly, quit sending out scripts for people to play their part. Some of us are inviting that drama into our life because we won't get with the word of God so that we can discern the thoughts and the intentions of somebody's heart. A lot of people in our life is, are misleading us and leading us astray and, and leading us out the wrong path because we won't discern their thoughts with the word of God. Because ourselves run from it. We run from it. We don't want to clean our heart up. David said, and then the son, he said, he said, give me a new heart, God. Clean, clean me out. Everything that's not in me, take it out. I'm paraphrasing again, but that's the concept of it. You ain't got to memorize all the stuff. You just got to know what God is really trying to get to. What's the meat of this thing? The meat of this thing is God is saying you got a deceitful heart. You need to get that thing cleaned up. The first process is to do what? Is to come to this word. Fully, humbly, wholeheartedly saying, you know what? I want to change this thing. I don't even know everything is wrong, but I know that everything ain't lined up the way I want it to. So if everything ain't lined up the way I want it to, I'm not going to blame everybody else. I'm not going to blame the situation. I'm not going to blame the job. The first thing I'm going to look at is myself. That's it. Now, once I've taken care of myself and now I can see. See, then you can see sometimes. But a lot of us run around so busy blaming everybody else. But here's the thing. If everybody and everything and every place is a problem in your life, the common denominator is you. I know it's tight, but it's right. And if it's you, pull your toes out the aisle and they won't get stepped on. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Say ouch or amen. Amen. And ouch. Because God says, I'm going to test the hearts. See, that's the thing. See, I, I don't want y'all to miss that. I'm, I got to go back to that real quick. He says that He says that I will test the hearts. That's in Jeremiah when I was talking about it. He said, the Lord search the heart and test the mind. Test, test, test. That means some 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 hard things going to come. Some trials going to come. Some tribulation going to come. Some difficulty going to come. Some pressing going to come. Some, 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 some. Contention going to come. Because how many know tests can't be easy, don't prove nothing. An easy test don't prove whether you got it or not. If I gave you a test and said the only thing on the test is to write what your name is, what is that proving? That's not proving anything. No, I need to know. I need to know are you truly committed to this thing? Are you truly with this thing? The only way I can know that is by testing you. And the one thing that God tested is our obedience. He's been doing it since the beginning. He put Adam and the woman in the garden. He said, you can have all this, but don't get that. Test. Test. And what did it say? The woman went out there because it was what? Pleasing. To the eye. Yes. 
pleasing to the eye. See, there go that thing. It looked good on the outside. It feel good, tastes good, smell good. It, it satisfies all five of your senses. But see, if it's, it can satisfy all five of your senses, but if it don't please God, then guess what? It's empty. And how many know the empty calories that you eat will not sustain your life? Yes. It may look good, but it's not good. But see, here goes the beautiful thing about God. He said we got a deceitful heart. So some people say, well, we stuck there. Then he give us this word, and all the word do is, is judge us and test us. And No, the word shapes you. The word molds you. The word takes that deceitful heart and transforms it. You don't believe me? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Because Ezekiel is talking to some people here who had a bad heart. They was doing stuff wrong. But Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25. He says, and this is God speaking through Ezekiel. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. What is that saying? I will sprinkle the clean water on you. That's symbolic of what we get now with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit says, I can come into your life and I can clean up all that stuff that was before. What you used to do don't matter to me no more. Who you used to be don't matter to me no more. Who you used to hang out with don't matter to me no more. I can clean all that up. I can clean all that up. He says, and from your idols, I will cleanse you. What is the idols? Idols, yeah, some people say, well, I don't worship idols. I ain't got a shrine put up in my house. No, but your job is your idol. Your child is your idol. Your husband is your idol. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend is your idol. Your team is your idol. You put more time with them than you do with God. That's your idol. Add up your time over seven days. Again, your calendar and your checkbook, and you'll see who your idol is. And if it's not God, God, then you need to come and say, sprinkle me, clean me up, get this stuff up out of me. And then in verse 26 it says, and I will give you a new heart. See, we ain't even got to do it. See, that's the God we serve. God says, I don't care about where you come from. I don't care if you've been out there tending to the sheep. You're looking all ruddy and messed up and, and busted, broken, disgusted, and you're dirty. You smell like sheep doo-doo and all that. I don't care what it looked like. I'm not judging you by all that. I'm judging you by your heart. And I can look at you and I can tell that you got something I can work with. I ain't trying to work with the outward appearance. That stuff going to come and it's going to go. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But it's your heart that I want trust. Yes. Mm. That's what God is saying. And he's saying, I will give you a new heart. Yes. And then a new spirit. See, God is a good God. He ain't going to just give you just a new heart. He says, I'm going to give you a new spirit. And then he said, I will put within you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be in you, not on you. So a lot of people say the Holy the Spirit came on me. Now you don't want the Spirit coming on you because that might not necessarily be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I know according to the word, comes in you. It comes in you. It don't come on you. If it's coming on you, you might need to say, loose me, let go of me. I bind that spirit because it might not be the Holy Spirit. Don't let nobody come. You come up to an altar or something. They say, the Holy Spirit come on you. No, I reject that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus because the Holy Spirit does not come on, it comes in. All right. Come on. All right. That's 
Because God searches the heart. And he says, I got to work you from the inside out. He says, because if I can change your mind, then I can change your I can change your design. I can change everything around you. When you know better, you do better. See, when you know better about how to eat, you start eating stuff that ain't good for your heart. And start eating stuff that ain't good for your blood pressure. When you know better, you do better. When you know how who you are in God, then you stop letting people treat you wrong. Your self-esteem gets boosted. So now you don't let men just treat you any old kind of way and treat you... Or invaluable or, or like you ain't worth nothing because you know who you are. And God says that you ain't got to even do it all. I will do it for you. That's the beautiful thing. I will give it to you. And then he says, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He says, and that little hard heart you got because you've been hurt, because you've been broke, You've been busted. You've been disgusted. He let you down. She let you down. They let you down. You feel like I let you down. And now your heart is hard. He said, I can I can even take that. Yes. I can even take that. And I can soften it up. Why does he want to soften up? See, because he don't want your heart to be hard because he need to get something in there. Again, he's trying to get it in you. He's not trying to get it on you. See, whatever you get on you can be washed off. Yes. Whatever on you is called residue. Residue can be removed. You just take, if you can, you take this, this window right here, I can squirt some Windex on it. I can remove the residue. But see, if something gets trapped inside of the pane of that window, I can't get that out. I got to break the window to get that speck out. God said, I don't want stuff on you no more. I'm ready to get, I don't want residue. I'm ready for you to recognize the remnant. See, the remnant is what was already there. See, a lot of times people confuse the remnant and they think that the remnant is what's left over. No, no, no. The devil is alive. The remnant, if you you know carpet, they take carpet and they roll it up on the spool. They keep rolling, pretend this is a spool, and they roll the carpet up on the spool, and they roll and roll and roll and roll. Well, when you go to the carpet manufacturers and you go to buy the remnant pieces, that was the pieces that was on the beginning of the spool. That was the piece. It ain't what's left over. It's what was there in the beginning. So God is saying, I'm trying to get to what was there in the beginning. See, God made us perfect in the beginning. He made our hearts right in the beginning. But because of what we go through, because of where we go to, because of who we go with, sometimes then our heart gets hardened. Our heart gets deceitful. Our heart gets untrustworthy. Our heart gets sick. And then we got to come to the I see you. And, tell, and so God can say, I see you. I see who you are. I see what you can be. I see what I made you to be. But all I need to do is reach inside of you so that I can get your heart right. Yeah. Jesus. And then we got to ask ourselves in the heart of hearts, who do we serve? You got to be honest to yourself. You can't lie about this. Who are you really serving? It's okay if you ain't really truly serving God. Admit that so that you can get it right. Okay, God, I really ain't serving you right. I even have to admit it even as the pastor sometimes. God, I ain't doing everything that you're telling me to do. So make me line up to this thing. Because you know it's still a part of me that want to keep the foot dangling out there. So God said, I'm going to be honest and keep it 100. Because it's hard doing this thing sometimes. Amen? Amen. Let's just keep it real. Temptation is out there. It says that the, the, the Christ even said that you ain't got to worry about tomorrow because what? There's enough evil in it already. Yeah, right. Amen. And why does he say, Lord, deliver me from what? Temptation. Deliver me from this evil. Deliver me from. He would have to deliver you from it if it wasn't tempted by it. Yeah, amen. So quit lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
like you ain't tempted by nothing, like you ain't doing nothing wrong, like you ain't uh, not living up to God's word. We all fall short. Everybody. Every single person sitting in here, we all fall short. But we got a God that says, I will straighten you up. I will make you right. If you All you got to do is be willing to answer the call. When the phone rings, will you pick it up? Will you pick it up? Or will you just sit there? Or will you come and pretend and play the part like Eliab? Will you play the part like, like Abinadab? Or will you even play the part like Sama? Sama is astonishing, but... Is also translated into waste. So he's, he was an astonishing waste. Meaning he was just lying up. He was just sitting there just because. Just because. He wasn't even supposed to be there. But just because he was Jesse's son, he got to come. God is searching the heart. God is searching the heart. He is searching the heart. And he's saying, get it right today. Get it right today. See, we got to know who cause we promoting. Are we promoting God's cause or are we promoting our own? Mm. Whose are we promoting? And the way God says that I can do that, that I can really know your heart, is to see how faithful you are with what you have right now. Yes. See, when God's looking for somebody to do something special, he's looking for the one that's faithful with what he's currently doing. What are you faithful with now? See, a lot of people want to be promoted in positions. They want to be lifted up high. They want to get in the spotlight. Yeah. But God is saying, I assigned you to change the light bulb. So why, why, I assigned you to change this light bulb, but you always want to be in the spotlight. He said, be faithful with the light bulbs. Yeah. Be faithful with changing that. When they burn out, change them. So when the time comes and I need somebody in the spotlight, I know that I can trust you. The word of God says what in Luke chapter 16? It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Yeah. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Yeah. That right there can tell you a whole lot of things. That's your test. Amen. Especially for the women in relationship, that's your test. The one who dishonest with a little bit, uh-huh. test them with a little bit. And I ain't saying a little bit of your cooking. I'm saying don't test them with that little bit because then you're testing yourself. No, what I'm saying is, you know, test him a little bit. Test to see if he's going to show up when he say he's going to show up. Test if he's going to do what he say he's going to do. Because, see, don't fall in love with your ears. See, that's what the enemy will do. He'll come in with your ear, in your ear gate, and it'll sound good. It'll even paint the picture. You start imagining these things. And I can give you the sun, the moon, and the stars. And I can give you the galaxy on Sunday. But then test them a little bit. Because, see, if he dishonest with that little, then guess what? He's going to be dishonest with everything. Yes, man. And then in verse 11, it says, Luke 16, verse 11, it says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? Mm. I mean, if you, can't even, if, you can't even handle, if you can't even handle the money that, that your job giving you, mm-hmm. then how can you handle kingdom money? Ah, oh Lord. How can you get promoted to, to be a distributor of kingdom wealth when you can't even handle the little paycheck you getting right now? You you robbing Peter to pay Paul already. I don't need a robber in the camp. I had that one time before called Judas. I'm not looking for a Judas this time. I'm looking for somebody who's going to handle the true riches. And then in verse 12 it says, And if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? 
See, some of us want to be promoted on jobs and all this kind of stuff. But God said, you ain't even doing what you're supposed to do now. You're stealing pens. You're stealing paper. You're, you're, you're leaving on lunch early, coming back late. You're doing all that. But you want a promotion. And you act like ain't nobody watching. No, you just ain't been caught yet. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if it's yours, take it in and know that it's time to change. Amen. Because God says you got to be faithful with what you got now. Be faithful with what you got now. Yeah. Do, do, do I imagine, imagine a bigger place? Do I imagine a, a thousand people and all that stuff? Of course I do. I'm a man. Anybody would want that. But God says what? Be faithful with what I got now. Be faithful with what it is right now. If it's one person sitting in the chair, be faithful with that one person. Teach them like you're teaching a thousand. Break the word down and make it plain so they can walk with it. Because you might only be teaching that one, but they teaching ten. He says it ain't about fruitfulness. It's about multiplication. And I don't care how I got to get it out there. If I got to get it out there through one or if I got to get it out there through a hundred, yeah. I'm going to get it out there. You Amen. just be faithful with what you got. Amen. Be faithful with where you are right now. Yes. Be faithful with where you are right now. If you ain't got a lot going on, be faithful with what you got. Be faithful with what you got. You say, well, I ain't got enough to even make a full meal. God say, be faithful with what you got. Take the one little piece of bread and fold it up and pretend it's a sandwich. Be faithful with what you got. Be faithful with what you got. Well, I don't live in the place I want to live in. Clean up the one you got like it's a mansion. My car about to break down. I don't like it. I want to drive a Mercedes like everybody else. I'm a, I've been tired and I've been doing all this. Be faithful with the little broke down car you already got. Faithfully change this oil. Faithfully get it washed. Faithfully take care of that and see what God. God said, why would I give you a Mercedes? You won't even take care of this car. This car don't cost them but $10 to get the oil changed. And you want a Mercedes going to cost you 100 How? You won't even take care of the little thing. God says, be faithful with what yes, you got. Because yes, yes. here's what David did. Even after David was called up and was anointed to be the king, he still, it took him 10 to 15 years before he was actually became king. Yes. He was faithful. And he didn't even go to Saul. He got anointed that day. And guess what David did after he got anointed? Guess what he did? It's in the scripture. He went right back to the field. He went right back to, t- to tending to the sheep. To, to taking care of the sheep. Ah. Every once in a while, he would go off to Saul and play the little the little harp for Saul because Saul was going crazy. So he would bring in the music to play. But for the most part, he was tending the sheep. For 10 or 15 years after the phone call. See, how many of us get the phone call and we want it to happen right now? God, you call me. I need to be out there right now. God, you said I can have it. I need it right now. God, you, you spoke over the, the man of God said that I'm going to have this brand new house. I need it right now. So then we go and jump into a mortgage. It's going to kill us. It's got us upside down from the jump. It's 22% interest rate. And we say, oh, the Lord done bless me. The devil is alive. You just got yourself a Ishmael when God was trying to get you an Isaac. What does that mean? You just got you something that you manipulated to get when God was saying, I was trying to give you a promise in the first place. Quit manipulating. Be faithful with what you got. He kept on tending the sheep. In fact, he was tending the sheep when he went to battle Goliath. His dad said, come out the field and go take your your son's, I mean, take my son some lunch. A little errand boy. 
the man who's been anointed to be king. He already know he's anointed to be king. Samuel know. Saul know. Everybody know that he's the king, but here he comes, the little Aaron boy. How many of y'all can be the little errand boy before you take your position as the king? You're already king. God says, I've chosen you. You're a royal priesthood. He says, but you got to be a little errand boy. Meaning you got to do what you got to do right now. You got to be faithful where you are now. Will it take five years? I don't know. Will it take 10 years? I don't know. Will it take 20 years? I don't know. But all I can tell you is that if God said it, then it's going to be. That's all I do know. That's what I do know. But see, what we have a problem with is understanding this one little thing. That loyalty always comes before royalty. Loyalty will always come before royalty. See, a lot of us want to be royal. We want to be down. We want to be hooked up. We want to be a part of the crowd. We want everything to come to us. We want to sit on the throne. But God says, no, loyalty comes before royalty. I don't need a disloyal king. I don't need a king who I can't trust. I don't need a king who I can't send out my word and know that it's going to happen. No, loyalty will always come before royalty. And see, loyalty will set you up to accept God's timetable and not insist on your own. See, God has his own time. Even in Habakkuk, it says what? It says, write the vision to make it plain so those that see it may run with it. And then it's what? For an appointed time. Yeah. Appointed time. See, we got to understand God's timetable. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt yourself. Yeah. But see, the key, the, the key to going in God's timetable was the very first word. Or first two words, humble yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, quit thinking you all that. Yeah. Now, I know on one hand, I just said that God said you're kings and you're royal people, but, and, and that's true. We, we have to have a good, high self-esteem yeah. based off the promises of God, not based off of who you are. Because yeah. we ain't nobody. We ain't nobody. But see, some of us think we, and even the world will say, fake it till you make it. Well, if you fake it till you make it, what you going to be there when you get there? What you going to be when you get there? If you've been faking the whole time until you make it, what are you when you get there? You fake. And you just waiting to be found out. You just waiting to be found out. God says, no, humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. See, when you're determined to be God's choice, then you're able to wait on the Lord with peace mm-hmm. until he opened the door. See, some of us trying to open doors and bang down doors and kick doors open. And God says, I keep this thing locked because the door opened up on you. You're going to unleash some mess into your life. I'm trying to keep you away from that person. You call them up. You try to hook up some time with them. They don't answer your call. They don't return your call. Then you can't get a scheduled time with them. God says, do you not realize why that's happening? Do you realize that you've been trying to meet with this person three, four, five, six times you never got a chance to? Do you really know why? Because if I let that person into your life, all hell going to break loose. I'm trying to keep the door closed and you're trying to bust in. God said, quit trying to bust in stuff that I got locked. See, when you bust in the things that God got locked, that makes you a thief. Yeah. Now when you get in there and you possess something, you possessing stolen merchandise. You possessing stolen merchandise. God says, I don't want thieves 
Thieves should not be among us. God is in control. He's working out his plan. If you want to be used by him, then you got to step with him. The steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered and established by God. Now, see, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that you just sit back on your butt and don't do nothing. And I'm just waiting on God's timing. You know, God called you to do something. God called you to step out. I'm just waiting on God's timing. No. Step out. Do what you got to do. If that's reading the word, if that's praying, if that's sending out resume, if that's making the right connection, all of it is the fact of saying, God, show me the steps I need to take. Then I will do what I got to do. I'll move the rock so you can call this dead thing back to life like you did with Lazarus. Just show me where the rock is and I'll roll it. Just show me where to go and I'll go. Just let me know and I'll do it. But until you tell me, then yes, I have to sit. I have to sit. But when God says your heart is right, then you can go. So I was, I, real quickly, I was, I was talking to, to my friend about this, and about their business or whatever, and, and they didn't want to do their business because they felt like that, that if they did it, it would be too much for profit yes. and, and, not, and not for God. But but God says, no, I can operate through your business. We need kingdom businesses. We need kingdom-minded businesses out there. And I told him, I said, God didn't have a problem with your business plan. He had a problem with your heart plan. And see, once he was able to change your heart, once he was able to change your then he going to prosper your business because he knows that it's a kingdom business because you got a kingdom heart. And he knows that now when you line up with the rest of the sons, all seven going to come past. He said, that's what man did. But when David number eight came, eight is the number of new beginning. God said, this is a new beginning. This is something new I'm trying to do in your life. When you get tired of doing it man's way, when you get tired of doing it your way, when you get tired of trying to manipulate, figure it out, and all that kind of stuff on your own, then you can get ready for a new beginning. Then come and get in line. Standing like David and say, you know what? I'm ready to be anointed. I'm ready to be anointed. And see, one thing they did, why they, why they anointed people, anointing is, and y'all have seen us do, you pour oil on. The oil don't have the power. Don't get that wrong. That's just the symbolism. It's a symbolism of God's power. Yeah. The oil, this ain't this ain't number olive oil we bought at Kroger. Yeah. Amen. But you pray over it and you you ask God to bless it and this yeah. that. The oil ain't got no power. Don't buy no oil off TV. It ain't got no power. Amen. It ain't got no power. You can get your own oil at Kroger and get and pray over it. And God will bless it just like anybody else's. Amen. But the reason why anointing oil was used is because it, it was used by the sheep herders back then. Sheep would get lice. They still do. But they would pour oil over their heads, over their wool, so then it would the lights would get on the, the, the oil and be able to slide right off. Yeah. Because if they, if they didn't anoint that, see, the lights would get into their hair and their head, and then it would come into their ear, and then it would start planting eggs in their ear, and then those lights would go into their brain yeah. and end up killing the sheep. I hope y'all caught that symbolism. See, when you get anointed with the oil of God, when you get anointed and blessed to do things, God God will protect your ear gate. See, we can't let everything come into our ear because it'll come into our ear, then it'll start planting the eggs and the seeds, and then all of a sudden, now it's into our brain, into our thinking, and we already said it, that's our heart. And out of the issues of the life, there's your heart. There's your heart. 
So God is saying a lot of what the issues you have is because of what went into your ear gate. God says, get anointed. Get anointed today. Get anointed with the word of God to protect your ear so that when something comes in, you be like, no, that's not of God. The spirit checks the spirit. I can discern that that's not of God. I'm going to test you a little bit. You was dishonest with that. So no, I got to block my ear gate. I got to block that. Proverbs say, guard all your heart. He says, guard it. You got to guard this thing. Amen. You got to guard this thing. And right here I'm closing and saying this. When you get ready to answer this call, understand that everybody in here is called. Yeah. Everybody. Every single person. If you if you are breathing right now, I always say this, but if you are, guess what? That means you have purpose. Yeah. And see, God isn't looking for extraordinary people. Yeah. He's not looking for extraordinary people. He's just looking for ordinary people willing to do extra. Yeah. I say that again. He's not looking for extraordinary people. He's just looking for ordinary people, ordinary Davids, ordinary people just tending their own thing, being faithful with what they got. He's looking for ordinary people willing to do extra. If you're willing to make your life available to God, guess what? God will wear you out. You ain't got to worry about that. If you're willing to make your life available to God, God will wear you out. He's not looking for extraordinary people. You don't have to be the best at this and the best at that and the best speaker and the best reader and the best prayer and the best business owner and the best this. You don't have to be that. Who God calls, he'll qualify. Who God calls, he'll qualify. So you don't have to worry about that. He's going to take it. See, that's the beauty part about God. You don't get nothing else out of all this. Is that God got this.